This is Fayette Forward, where we discuss trails, transit, city planning, and anything else that's on our minds. Our goal is to keep Fayetteville moving forward in a positive, inclusive, and intentional way that benefits everyone who lives in this great city in the Ozarks. You ready? Come on in. Welcome to Fayette Forward. I'm Meredith and I'm here with my husband, Nick, and we are so excited to have Clark Eccles, a member of Fayetteville Strong, iFriend coordinator at the University of Arkansas, and creator and moderator of our Discord channel for the Fayetteville Strong community. We are really excited to have him on the show to share a bit about his efforts within Fayetteville Strong, as well as some of his visions for the future of Fayetteville. Welcome, Clark. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. So tell us a little about yourself. So I'm uh, I'm a Fayetteville native. Uh, I was born and grew up in Fayetteville most of my life. I've moved away a couple times, but I keep coming back. I uh, I work for the Office of International Students and Scholars at the university, and uh, I have a new daughter. Congratulations! Nice. Yes, Thank you. congratulations. Thank you. She's very cute. We mm-hmm. got to see a picture before the show. Well, and we met you through Fayetteville Strong, which you mentioned on this show before. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about how you found Fayetteville Strong and what your involvement is? Yeah, so I found Fayetteville Strong via Reddit. Someone told me about it from a comment that I w- was replying to. But what brought me to Fayetteville Strong and like kind of the new urbanism movement was just being frustrated with underdevelopment in the U.S. I, I had the opportunity to live in Bilbao, which is a, a city in, in the Basque Country in northern Spain. And it's a city of in the greater city area of a million people, and they have really great public transit. And so I was within minutes walking distance from the metro, from regional train, from high-speed trade, from a local tram, from local bus and regional bus. So all those things were within reaching distance, and so a car would have been more difficult to, to get around with. And my frustration was coming back to the U.S. and really not having, like, a single one of those things. We, we have an OK bus system in Fayetteville, but that doesn't really expand to the region. Shout out to ORT, but I'd like to see more growth with our ORT. And my work at the University of Arkansas with international students, I see them struggle on a daily basis with both transportation but also housing affordability. I have a friend from Hong Kong, and he spent six weeks in a hotel last fall because the university increased their enrollment and housing was a nightmare for our students. And then also, you know, most of our students don't have cars, and without cars, they're often pretty stuck on campus, and at least in Fayetteville. And so I know, like, for them, getting to and from the airport can be a real challenge, but also, you know, just, like, visiting all of Northwest Arkansas and getting to experience all the great things we have to offer here. And you mentioned international students. In what capacity do you work with them? I serve as the IFRIN coordinator for the University of Arkansas. And so the IFRIN program is a program that connects international students at the university with domestic students through our Campus Cousin program and with community members through our Friendship Family program. And so these programs are all about, you know, connecting international students with the campus and community. And so when we bring people together, we're trying to help put them with people to help them make community while they're here, you know, develop cross-cultural friendships and be a little less isolated. It's really easy for international students to not connect as much with American students and maybe just hang out with other international students or maybe just students from their country. And so the IFRIN program is really great because it 
gets international students out into the community and helps them experience more things, meet more people. But it's also really great for the hosts in the program, the friendship family hosts and the the campus cousin hosts, because they get to welcome someone new to Northwest Arkansas, and they also get to experience and learn about different cultures themselves. And so we have a lot of families who join for the purpose of, you know, I want my children to experience different cultures and get to meet people different than they have before. Yeah. And that's a great, okay, you pretty much explained what I was just going to ask, but you had mentioned that the campus cousin Mm -hmm. is more for kind of like-aged people, I would suppose, Mm -hmm. other students on campus, whereas Mm -hmm. the, what was the other one you called it, Cross? Uh, uh, So friendship family and campus cousins. Okay, gotcha. So, and you're recruiting for one of those right now, right? Yeah. So I really recruiting for both, but especially for the friendship family program. So the way that it works is at the beginning of each semester, we're onboarding all the new students who want to participate in the program. And of course, finding new hosts who might be interested in doing this sort of thing, and we'll be looking for hosts for the spring. Well, that's great. And since you're on the topic of international Mm -hmm. everything, I'm curious what your experiences were more specifically in Spain, Mm -hmm. and what are the things you don't see here that you're so enamored with, just in terms of your day-to-day experience? Yeah, so I like I said, I lived in Bilbao, but I the I taught in a city outside of Bilbao, so I was daily taking usually the regional bus, um, but it always came every 15 minutes, you know, it was never late, it was always on time, and so I could always rely on that, you know, bus to get me where I needed to go, and so even though the city was 20 or 30 minutes outside of the city that I lived, it was no problem getting there. And if I got tired of taking the bus, I could just take the train instead. I <laughs> I, I would only take the bus more because it was like 50 cents cheaper, so... Yeah. <laughs> so. But but I, I preferred taking the train when so it was usually my like do that once a month once a once a week is like a splurge a splurge day. Day. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well a question how dense is that area because we always hear the argument here of you know if you have the density then that's going to justify mm-hmm. these public transportation options but it sounds like you lived kind of outside the city what what did that look like yeah so I lived in the city center of Bilbao so there was a lot of density and a lot of really great transportation there because I'd chosen to live right in that city but even in those small towns like the the one that I worked at and many towns surrounding like they were all served by bus they were all served by train of course the city was close but these trains and buses were running amongst these smaller communities all the time. And they were more dense than a lot of cities here in a lot of our towns, but they're still single-family houses and small developments, but they had a mix of different development styles. And for your international students that come here, Mm -hmm. they're often probably coming from a more walkable, more Mm -hmm. transit-oriented place. Not always, but most of the time. Do they find it frustrating? I mean, not just is it difficult, but they f- they find it very confusing and weird that we don't mm-hmm. do it here? Yeah. I, so I was talking to a student from Ukraine last semester, and she was telling me how, for her, it was really strange how much we drove, you know, and for the amount of distance that she would always walk. And then she would talk about how her roommate would apologize for, like, parking in, like, the second row of a parking lot. And also just the lack of public transit here. We've had some international students talk about how people perceive their country and think it their country might be underdeveloped. But the ironic thing is I feel like that a lot of the United States is underdeveloped. You know, we lack really good service of trains and buses, and you know, when those are things that we used to do well. Well, incidentally, you really reminded me of this pretty traumatic experience that mm-hmm. I had when I was a study abroad student. And I was in Australia, and mm-hmm. Australia is pretty car-centric, yeah. just like we mm-hmm. are. 
But I remember there was another student in our program, mm-hmm. and they drive on the other side of the street, mm-hmm. and there was a student who was killed because someone got used to driving in the Australian way primarily and then had just one of those moments where they forgot and went back to American driving and had a head-on collision. And so one of the international students was killed. And that's one of those things that I really thought of when you had said that you work at the Office for International Students. Mm-hmm. I was thinking we might even have people who are used to car culture, but they're used to driving on the other side of the road. And it just creates this dangerous situation that if you're only here for a semester, why not just not even have to drive if you can avoid it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that really stuck with me, that experience. It was 23 years ago or something crazy. And it just, I I think it was a big part of what made me not, that much of a fan of driving, if we're being honest. It, I think in the U.S. we we generally have like accepted a certain level of vehicular caused deaths and just understood that that's the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. To coin a phrase, just you know, but I I don't think it has to be that way. I agree. In fact, I even remember during COVID when everybody was trying to kind of put the COVID deaths into perspective, they were comparing it to traffic accidents, and I was like. None of this is good. None of these deaths are mm-hmm. good. But it's just, it is weird that, like you said, it's just a cost of transportation or whatever you want to call it. Just kind of like expected deaths per year with traffic accidents. And it it would be wonderful if we didn't have to deal yeah. with that. And I think that's part of what Vision Zero is trying to accomplish, right? Some yeah. of those Vision Zero goals. So no fatalities, ideally. And hopefully we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that plan. You know, I've, I've known of closely and from afar of several pedestrian type deaths here in Fayetteville. You know, from like the sister of a classmate growing up to students around the university, like it happens and it happens more than it should. For one, I I know of a student who was just crossing the street by the university on Garland, you know, up by the Garland Center and was just crossing the street. I don't know all the exact circumstances, but, but, you know, they have all these speed limits and things. And I'm sure someone was just not paying attention and blasted right through. Uh, so yeah, we got to we got to end that. Yeah. Well, on that note, you've talked to us before we got on on this recording about how you want NWA to grow in a sustainable way to avoid turning into another, say, Dallas or Austin. That's right. Uh, and and also for your daughter mm-hmm. to be raised in a place that is safe for her to use all modes of transportation. So if you could tell us a little bit more about some of your thoughts on how you prefer the area to grow. Yeah, I I think just right now compared to like a. And at Dallas or Austin, we're just much earlier in that development level. And so I think, you know, this is the right time for us to be thinking about these things and growing sustainably and not suburban sprawling out and out and out. And uh, and so I think if we have some better land use and some transit-oriented development, that can go a long way. And not having that giant suburban sprawl, I think most people, if they've spent much time in Dallas or Austin, will know like how tough and horrible the traffic is, whether you're just passing through or you're spending time there. And it'd be great for there to be other options for the people who live here in Fayetteville and Northwest Arkansas. Well, if it says anything, I got a job offer straight out of PT school to go work in Austin. And I flew down there and I was interviewing and I was sitting in traffic for like 45 minutes to go just a couple of miles. And I remember just being like, I can't live here. This is just gridlock. And It just, I don't know, something about it just wasn't clicking. And then Dallas, I know, is even more car dependent. And I love both of those cities. I'm from East Texas. Like, I I have a lot of um, emotional attachment. I have a lot of friends. My sister's in Austin. But even my parents, they've talked about as they get older, it's either Austin or here. And they've said, we can't handle driving in Austin. So I love what you're talking about. I think even for senior citizens like my parents, they're just getting a little bit scared to drive 
in traffic and things. And so they just feel a lot safer walking places. My parents walk to Walmart to get their groceries a lot. And I don't know. I just I really appreciate what you're saying because I love those cities, but I don't like what it's like to drive there and get around there. And and I think there's something really to that. You know, when I lived in Bilbao, you see older people everywhere because yes. they're healthy and they're just walking around. And, you know, I, I think that helps you age gracefully too and be able to stay more connected to your community. Like if you just live in your house 30 minutes outside of town, like you're not going to really have that community. And people can find that community through other means, but it's, you know, there's there's something to being out with your neighbors and out in the world on a regular basis. Yes. It's so interesting you say that, too. We were door knocking earlier for this tactical urbanism project, and we were interviewing people. And one of them was an elderly gentleman, really nice guy. But his wife had passed away recently. And we were asking him, do you support having a sidewalk? And it was interesting because his response was like, I don't think it's feasible. But it wasn't a yes or a no. It was it was just, I don't think this is possible. And so he said, well, how do you get over to that shopping center? And what was it, two blocks, one block? And he was like, oh, I always drive. And it to me, it was mind-boggling because I was thinking he came across as pretty lonely. He seemed like he really wanted to chit-chat. We were really enjoying chatting with him, petting his dogs. And I was just thinking if he was out using these sidewalks with his dogs, walking these adorable little dogs, he would probably have so many interactions that he just doesn't get because he has to get in his car and drive there, probably because he doesn't feel safe. And probably he doesn't even think it's an option for him to have any other way. Yeah. I'm really excited about this, this opportunity, which you guys will learn more about. But it's on Holly Street in Fayetteville. So, you know, across the street from Harps near that shopping center. I don't know what that area is called, but uh, I'm particularly really excited about it because a lot of international students live in those neighborhoods and walk to Harps and to the bus stop and and, uh, to the international grocery store right there. And so they use this space on a regular basis. And so I really hope it'll help serve them and, and make it safer for them to get to where they need to go. Definitely. And I do think it's worth having an episode at some point where we just walk through the entire process of what a technical urbanism project is. The really short version of it is you usually put a temporary installation in somewhere that mimics whatever the permanent installation you want to see is. So in this case, it's a sidewalk along Holly Street. And our goal for now is to get people approving it and then involved with painting a fake sidewalk, like a temporary sidewalk. And then eventually, if it's successful, which Based on the responses we got, I think it was going to be very successful. I, th- I think so. Yeah. Then eventually we'll get a permanent sidewalk mm-hmm. there. We had many others that were very supportive. And even that guy wasn't against it. I, I yeah. kind of right. I pushed a little mm-hmm. bit. So do you, do you not support a sidewalk? And he was like, well, I just don't think it's possible. It's almost like you're defeated before you try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what happens a lot in America, right? We, we think, well, it just hasn't been done that way for X number of years. So why would we change it? It's like, well, no, sometimes change is good. It can be a little bit awkward at mm-hmm. times but yeah that brings it back to my parents walking to walmart they walk from this suburban neighborhood and then they have to cross a giant strode that's basically the equivalent of our current college avenue it's just mm-hmm. busier because it's a bigger city and anytime the crosswalk light breaks i mean it's so dangerous and when i think of them doing this walk it freaking stresses me out and my dad will walk along the street in the grassy part not even on a sidewalk there's no sidewalk there And I just think about those things and think about how it could be different, but mom and dad never would think to ask for something different because they've lived there for like 40-something years, and this is just what they know. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, you know, human-scale development in the United States is almost out of living memory. It's it's quite, quite bad. 
Well, we're going to change that. Yeah, that's yeah. what this podcast <laughs> is all about. Okay. You've had some great ideas that you've shared with us um, regarding passenger rail in Northwest Arkansas, uh, uptown development potentially that you've, you've thought about, or a tram in downtown. If you could just talk through some of these ideas, because they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah, so my... My, my big dream, the thing, if I had several billion dollars and could just make it happen tomorrow, would be uh, passenger rail in northwest Arkansas. And so, you know, the four cities are already so connected. And I really think that using the existing rail right-of-way between the big four cities and, of course, the cities in between, you should be able to get up to those cities using that rail system. And, you know, ORT, I think, would really be good at serving off of that spine. So it'd be an easy way to get up and down that doesn't put you in traffic at all. And then the bus system can help pick up the slack, you know, where the train that's linear can really help with. And I think Northwest Arkansas is already in the perfect position for this. Like I said, we're kind of linear. We're all in a line. So you don't have to have tons of different lines going everywhere. Maybe just one big north the south line, maybe a spur or a circle back to the airport or something. I'm not going to say I'm an expert, so I, I don't know exactly how best to implement that. But it seems like something we should be planning on and, you know, working towards. And, and, I, and I think if it was just up to us here in Fayetteville, I think it'd be happening. But, but we really need buy-in from the other cities as well. Right. Hey, call to action. We need a Bentonville Strong. We uh, need a Rogers yes. Strong, a Springdale Strong. We just need to sit down and draw this map. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're on the Northwest Arkansas Go uh, Facebook page, but someone yeah. has like sort of an interactive map of what this could look like. Richard Billings. Uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. He's great. And, and I know that we've had some form of passenger rail in the past. I'm not sure how long it's been and how all it served the region, but I would imagine he would be a good person to talk to about that. Yes. Yeah, we actually want, we're planning to reach out. So. Great, great. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you were talking about using buses for the spurs or the spokes. And I guess if you imagine it as a snake, the high-speed mm -hmm. rail, and maybe it's just little, maybe it's a centipede, the little yeah, legs maybe coming a centipede, out. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I was just thinking if somebody wanted to ride their bike and they didn't even want to have to deal with waiting for a bus or yeah. anything else, mm -hmm. I watched the coolest video that I think we should link. It's about Utrecht. Utrecht? I don't know how you say it. Um, in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And they showed the coolest, safe, secure bike parking at different nodes. And it was almost like when you go to the, the airport and you rent a car. Uh -huh. And it's those really tight spots. But they've got bike valets. And someone takes the bike and puts it into That's a cool. safe, secure. Yeah, and then you get a ticket. It's the coolest thing ever. And how rad would that be if we could just... Mm -hmm. If you have like a nicer e-bike that you're a little worried about leaving at public transport, well, you can just valet that thing. And, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Well, and another aspect to um, human skill development is having communities that have a lot of amenities all within that one mm -hmm. area so you don't have to necessarily even use transit. So you had a, a, some ideas about that as well, right? Yeah. I And again, I don't know really anything about if anything like this is in the works or if it's already too late, but there's this big area on uh, Van Ash next to Greg Avenue in Fayetteville that's just these giant wide open fields. Uh, there's also one across Greg next to the Skull Creek Trail. And that area just seems like you know, it could go one of two ways. It could be build Walmart, Costco type big things and parking lots in those spaces, or that could be an uptown, downtown, you know, kind of space. That one. Or the maybe a blend. One. I mean, a, a Walmart neighborhood market. Yeah. So it's like a human scale market, but it's also got all of this living around it. If you think about the Bentonville Square and they have that Walmart yes, there, you know, it, exactly. it doesn't have to be a Walmart, but it, but it could be, you know, yeah. if, if, let's, let's if be there's, real, it yeah. probably will be, but, yeah. but it can hey. also be other things. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I, I think if the, there was some really great space uptown that was, you know, car free, 
where people that had mixed uses where people can live and work and shop and eat. And the great thing about that area, it's really close to the bike trail. So it has great connectivity in this passenger rail that I'd like to see here one, at one point. And it'd be a great spot for a train station. And you could even have some park and ride stuff there. And you couldn't really put all that downtown, but you could have some park and ride options. So if people needed to drive to the train, they could. But it would be a really great area and a really great use of that area, I think, that would really kind of anchor a big place downtown that's not right near to campus. Because all the students are so near to campus, and by the fact that them being there, it pushes a lot of people out of downtown. Mm -hmm. Yes, and you're speaking our language because a big part of what we would love to see in this area to keep things equitable and affordable for people is – Focus on placemaking beyond just downtown because downtown's great, but as you yeah. know, it's getting unaffordable. It is quite a few students, and so if somebody wants to feel, to live somewhere and feel that sense of place and be able to walk to their neighborhood grocery store and be able to walk to a few restaurants, maybe a bar, it would just be really nice to yeah. have that all over mm-hmm. the city, West Fayetteville, North Fayetteville, everywhere. Yeah, definitely. There needs to be more options than just right next to the university downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we are talking about downtown, yeah. <laughs> you have an, an idea about a tram. And I know trams are slightly controversial in the planning world, but I still think it's awesome. So. I, I, I think they're great. Like I said in Bilbao, right at the end of the street, end of my street, I had a tram and I would take that all the time. I could take the metro sometimes and I would choose the tram over the metro because it was just nice. And where would you see the ideal tram taking you within downtown? As far as Fayetteville, you know, I think Dixon Street and this area... There should be periods where it's car-free or, like, reduced cars. But I would really like to see the tram, you know, go down from the university, down Dixon Street, probably around the square, maybe the library, and maybe serve some of these neighborhoods and apartments in the area. And I think that would be a really great use of space. I think the tram would be very successful. And I'm just thinking with, like, game days and stuff, too, all those people can take the tram down, and so they're not driving from the football stadium to... Dixon Street on a game day weekend. You yeah, know. I love that idea. And I also think it can be really hot sometimes yes. or really cold. And sometimes you just don't want to make yeah. that walk. Yeah, I love walking everywhere possible. But on a day like today when we're recording and we're under this advisory, I would definitely take that tram. Yeah, definitely. And just since we're talking about locations in Fayetteville, I'm curious, uh, whereabouts do you live and how do you feel about your particular area? So I have a confession to make. I don't actually live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, <gasps> I, I live I, I live half a mile uh, outside the city limits on the northwest side. So uh, on 112, if you follow 112 up north, uh, I'm just right there. So unfortunately, I don't currently live uh, within city limits, which means I can't vote for mayor. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I've lived in Fayetteville a lot of my life. So one thing at where I live right now is I basically have no trail access without a car, and it's very dangerous to ride a bike on 112, even though you see people doing it. So if I want to go take my dog on a walk or take my baby on a walk, I have to get in the car and drive down near Holcomb Elementary and use those trails down there. And there are some changes in the works for that. I, I don't know what sort of timeline it's happening, but I there is going to be some road widening going on on 112, which I, I'm not sure how I feel about. But as a part of that, they're putting in a 12-foot-wide cycling and walking pedestrian trail alongside that. And so... It's going to be really great for getting, you know, up towards Tawny Town and down towards Fayetteville. And hopefully maybe someday it'll connect over to Johnson and all the new exciting stuff going on there. But I don't know if that's in the works. Oh, I just begged for that on one of those surveys that they said was closed. But I was like, oh, it's still accepting submissions. So I I just begged for the trail connections to the Johnsons. Yeah, yeah. 
definitely. Johnson Square. It, it has to happen. Yeah. 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 Well, going back to Fayetteville Strong real quick, I was just curious, in a perfect world, how would you see the group growing and what would you like it to become? Yeah, so I I would really like to see the group continue to grow. Uh, you know, I feel like we already have a lot of uh, momentum and stuff on our Facebook group, you know, as far as like the amount of membership and, and we have a core group of people that are highly motivated. But I'd like to see people who are interested in these things, tell their friends and kind of pull them on board. Because I, I think the things that we're talking about can appeal to people across the spectrum, whether it's like age or politics or anything. There's something here for everybody. And so there's a lot of things that we're advocating for that speaks to all people. And and I would really like to see Faithful Strong continue and expand our advocacy for doing these sorts of projects in our town and make it more equitable, more affordable, and easier to live here. And then I would really like to see us do more projects like this Holly Street project. I know there's a, a lot of excitement with doing these big things that make a difference. And so, you know, one thing is like talking and advocating, but doing more like boots on the ground type stuff is really, really cool to be a part of. Definitely. Well, you've been very boots on the ground because you've made a Discord channel for the group, which I didn't even really know much about Discord before this. I think I was in a roller skating one that completely confused me and I could never keep up with and it's not very active anymore. But can you tell us a little bit about what Discord is, what you do with the Fayetteville Strong one and how you want to see people maybe getting involved? Yeah. So Discord is a communication tool, you know, for for chatting, both like voice and video and text-based chatting. Some people might know it through gaming, but it's definitely not just for gaming. And so they have a whole feature that's dedicated for community groups. And and so that's sort of the skeleton that I, I made this, this Discord off of. And so this was sort of a project that I just started to see if I could do it. I was kind of curious what it would take to create a Discord and then found out it is like very flexible and has all this customization. And so... We were talking in a previous Fateville Strong meeting about how I think how Strong Towns uses Discord to communicate with their local leaders. So, you know, I thought maybe I could create a Discord for Fateville Strong or Northwest Arkansas. And so I started playing with it. I found a couple other groups like ours that have some like a regional group like this. And so I sort of starting to put it together once the baby was born, an hour here and an hour there just to kind of see what it might look like. And, and I'm pretty excited with how it turned out. So our Facebook Fayetteville Strong group is pretty vibrant. We have a lot of discussion and we have a lot of people who have joined and who continue to join. So we definitely don't want to get in the way of that. But I think the Discord is a great place where Fayetteville residents can talk and organize and plan. But anyone who lives in Northwest Arkansas who's interested in the Strong Towns principles or the type of work that we're trying to do, we can have a space for us to have our individual conversations and have a big regional conversation because everything in Northwest Arkansas is so connected. And so I think it's really important that we're able to collaborate and talk to each other. And, you know, I think that's all already been apparent to us because at our Fayetteville Strong meetings, we have people who live outside of Fayetteville. I, I count myself as in Fayetteville. But but we, you know, cl- we, we claim you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but we have people from Rogers and Bentonville who've come to meetings. And so we know there's a lot of interest out there for the type of stuff that we're doing. Definitely. When I did a new member orientation with Strong Towns, which is for anybody who hasn't listened to the episode yet with Delaney Bartlett, we talk a little bit more about the history of the Fayetteville Strong Group. 
But I ended up signing up as a member for the kind of parent organization, which is Strong Towns. And one of the things that they recommended for our particular region when I was explaining how things worked around here is they said, it's great to have kind of an NWA strong umbrella presence, but also they really strongly recommended that we get into those local groups for Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, Bentonville, Mm -hmm. and then really get hyper-local whenever possible. And one of the things we were talking about with you before was what would life look like once maybe they built that bike path. And you have this new development coming up soon that's the old drive-in theater, and it's going to be converted into an Alamo draft house and have a beer garden and everything. So hopefully all of these things are interconnected at that hyper-local level so that if you don't feel like necessarily getting in a car and driving anywhere, you can still go take your daughter out, maybe go see an outdoor movie, get yourself a beer if you feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Well, is there anything else that you want to share about the Discord channel for those of us who might be noobs or just interested in dipping our toes in but don't really get it? Yeah, so on top of the local conversation spaces and the Northwest Arkansas uh, conversation spaces, there's also a ton of resources that I have linked and in some cases are automatically updating uh, in the Discord. And So anytime there's new new urbanism videos come out, new podcasts, including this one, new new urbanism podcasts on the Strongtown site, that are uploaded, those share automatically to the site. There's also, I've included a bunch of great information for the city of Fayetteville in general about different city resources, some of which like C-Click Fix that I've heard about on this podcast. Um, So there's lots of centralized areas for resources, you know, for people who are involved in Fayetteville Strong or maybe a future Springdale Strong or Rogers Strong. I've also included some like grant information. So it's a really great way to like have all that info in one spot so you can learn a little bit more about opportunities and topics that are involved in the movement. Thank you. And we'll link to everything in the show notes as well. Well, I wanted to ask you, since you've lived here most of your life with Mm -hmm. some excursions, what have you seen? I mean, part of the show is about transit and city planning, but also it's just about community. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how you've seen Fayetteville change and grow in all different ways since you were younger, because I'm sure it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, it's grown a lot. And it's kind of strange. I have like different phases of my life that I've seen Fayetteville. So I've seen it through different lenses as a child before I started driving. I feel like I had a very disconnected connected view of like what Fayetteville looked like and how to get around. If you put me in one part of town, I'm not sure, at least when I was especially young, I don't know if I could have told you how to get to a different part of Fayetteville, (laughs) just being driven everywhere. But then in college, I lived on campus and I'm, I'm convinced that there's a reason why Americans think so fondly of their college experience. And I think it's because they're in a, a walkable place where they live and go to school and eat and recreate all in a compact space. But it's kind of crazy just to see like the amount of growth that this city has had and the amount of development, how far it's expanded, the the new businesses and the changes and everything like that. And uh, and you know some that are less exciting than some changes and some developments that are are really exciting. Like the the ending of the parking minimums in Fayetteville is like a really great movement forward and and you know I think we're not just like a a leader in Arkansas, I think we're a national leader on that. Yeah, and that's actually a video that Strongtowns did about Fayetteville was in regards to those parking minimums. Yeah, I think that's what created Delaney's interest in making this group. I think she created Fayetteville Strong in response to seeing that video. I think the Reddit thread that I found out about Fayetteville Strong from was underneath a mm-hmm. video linked to... And, and we'll link to that. It's a really yeah. good video. Yeah. yeah, and anybody who's on Reddit, too, definitely check that out and then consider coming to some of our meetings because we realize that quite a few of us are, like, 
Reddit lurkers who barely ever really, mm-hmm. at least I don't really say that much, but I love reading what's on yeah, Reddit. Yeah, it, it's great. Right now we're meeting every last Wednesday of the month. So look us up. Yeah. Well, and I have a question for you because as you've seen things evolve from past to present, you've obviously found some changes. But if you could envision a future that's as great as possible for your daughter, what would kind of a day in the life look like for you, for her, for her mom, everybody? Yeah, I think it's just being able to get around safely without having to rely on a car or without having to worry about cars. It'd be really great to be able to be served by public transit. And like, if we needed to go to the store, we could just walk down the street rather than get in the car and drive 15 minutes. And just, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just like the amount of like automobile deaths. I know for children, I think second to guns, which is a whole other conversation. (laughs) I I think automobiles are the second leading cause of death in children. And so I think for her to be able as, as she grows up to be able to like be out in the world independently and get to grow into herself without having to be carefully chaperoned everywhere and there not be a risk of her being killed by a car. And so that's something I really want for her and I really want for other children because independence in childhood is really important for like cognitive development. It's really good for them to experience the world and and be out in the world. When I lived in Bilbao, like I said, I taught in a city like 30 minutes outside of Bilbao, but one time I was walking around Bilbao and there was like some 12 or 13 year olds from my school just like hanging out in the city. I don't know that you would see that in the US. Like, I'll just let my 12 year old go hang out in the city all day unsupervised. Yeah. I know in some cities, well, I went to school on the East Coast and I think in some of the East Coast cities it's a lot easier. Yeah. So I would know friends who grew up in like a Jersey suburb and then they'd take the train into New York. But yeah, we didn't have those experiences. Maybe Nick did. I didn't. I grew up in car-dependent East Texas, and I remember just being able to go to one convenience store that I could either walk or bike to, Mm -hmm. and it's not like I was shielded by going to that convenience store from all of the ills of the world because I strongly remember there was this, like, X-rated section at the back that my (laughs) friends and I would go and be like, oh, my God, like, Uh looking at all the, the videos and everything, so... I think that's one thing that sometimes scares people about having kids be independent is, oh, they're going to get exposed to all these things. But you're going to get exposed to that stuff no matter what. Have they heard of the Internet? Yeah, well, nowadays, (laughs) yeah. yeah, We didn't have that when I was a kid. But, yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I actually did have – looking back on it now, I I don't think I thought of it as anything unique. But I actually did have a pretty walkable – area that I was in. And I probably took risks that I, most people would be afraid to let their kids take now in terms of walking in different places and stuff. But I don't think I thought of any, anything of it. I was with friends. We'd walk around. I'd walk down the main streets to the the grocery store, things like that. I would go get food and all these things. I could walk. I biked around my whole neighborhood and I'd bike on these big streets in LA. And it's, I don't know, I just bike on the sidewalk. I didn't think anything of it. I think because when you're a kid, you don't have any prior context. So Mm -hmm. that was just what it was for me. And it's just interesting to see how everyone grows up differently in different places and what they're exposed to. But I I think that and also what you had mentioned earlier, Clark, about when you're on campus during college, I remember thinking like, this is the best. Like, I love this. And it's so true. That's what it is. It's just that you're in a very dense area that has everything you need, like your friends, your, your social life, your amenities, your exercise, all that stuff is there. Your work sometimes, in this case, it would be school. And But I actually did work on campus. So I also walked to work or bike to work. So it's funny, though, because when you leave college, you sometimes don't even realize that's part of why you liked it. Yeah. And 
it's like a, it's almost like an epiphany of like, oh yeah, this is something we could have every day. Yeah, and on college, you're walking around campus and bumping into your friends or bumping yes. into classmates or people and like developing connections. Right, serendipity. That, that you would never get in a car. That's one of my favorite parts about living in a smaller city, just running into people that we know. I never had that happen in bigger cities. Yeah, it's very rare compared to here. Here in Fayetteville, we're lucky that there's a really good sense of community. People do, you, know, you see people around town. I really, really love that aspect of it. And I'm assuming it's, it was even more that that way when you were growing up. It's probably a little bit bigger now, but it still happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I'm I'm honestly surprised how often I, I bump into somebody I know, even though we have like 100,000 people here. Well, in closing, we have a couple questions to ask you that we ask all our guests. And the first one is, what is one simple thing everyone in Fayetteville can do today to make it a better city moving forward? I think just continuing to work to, to keep Fayetteville being a really welcoming place. You know, I've heard from a lot of international students who talk about how much they love Northwest Arkansas, love Fayetteville, and then they tell people that and they give them like really weird looks. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they talk about how Fayetteville's like a really great, warm community. And so they've found a lot of them find good connection here. And so I think working to make sure that as we continue to grow and get bigger, that Fayetteville stays the welcoming place that it is. And in service of that, just to make sure that, you know, when you see people who look like they might not be from here, as you talk to people, make sure that you let them know that they're welcome here and you're happy to have them here. And also, if you do see any, you know, anything any racist or xenophobic or misogynistic or homophobic behavior that, that you use your voice in, you call it out and make sure that that person knows that those attitudes aren't welcome here. I love that. Yes, we love it here so much. It's such an accepting and open environment. And yeah, thank you for that. And we have one more question before we close. And that is if you have any organizations, causes or businesses you'd like to shout out. And that can be pretty much anything. Yeah, uh, I have lots of things to show. Yeah. yeah, please uh, do. So I mentioned how I work in the Office of International Students and Scholars. And at the university, we have 1,100 international students from almost 100 countries. So we have lots of international students and lots of ways to get involved to serve those international students. So with the IFRIN program, as I, as I mentioned before, we also have a conversation club. And it's something called the International Culture Team that does cultural presentations both on and off campus. And so those are really great ways to get involved. And if you're interested in connecting with the International Culture Team, maybe at your organization or your church or your school, we have a, a contact form on our website to request a presentation. Uh, also, there's the Ozark Literacy Council. They're a free literacy program in Northwest Arkansas. And they have all sorts of volunteer opportunities like uh, tutoring, teaching, conversation club, and more. Uh, I believe they also have a student mentor program. Also, Canopy Northwest Arkansas, it's the refugee resettlement agency here, and they have tons and tons of need for volunteers, for you know, whether it's advocacy, tutoring, rides, joining a co-sponsorship team to welcome a new family here. It's a great way to get involved. And then just a shout out to uh, a couple of my favorite bars or breweries, Fossil Cove, is a longtime favorite. And then Crisis Brewing. I used to live just down the hill from Crisis Brewing, so Oof. that was kind of my neighborhood bar. Dangerous. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite fond of it, and I assume they still do, but I'm not sure. But they, they used to offer a walking discount, so, so it would serve the neighborhood and encourage people to, to walk up there. I haven't seen that, but I've been to Crisis many times. I'm going to inquire. Yeah, yeah, we have I, friends who live right by there. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it was ever like publicized. I think I just like heard about it. And then when I would go in, I would just ask for it. So so you'll have to see if if it's still a thing. But Okay, sounds good. Well, I love both those breweries as well. 
So, well, thank you for coming on the show and really appreciate you sharing all your, your input. Yeah, happy to. Thank you.